Welcome to Meraki Mentors, a podcast featuring women who create. We interview creatives from every field and around the globe to discuss art, risk-taking, and what it means to live a creative life. Here's your host, Candace Howes. So we are here today with Jackie Bird, and we were just having a, um, a fantastic <laughs> conversation about how unique the spelling of her name is and that she has a lot of nicknames. Yes, she does. <laughs> Should I run off the list? Please do. Okay. Jackie Bird is rare. Actually, you know, that's the interesting interesting thing. Usually people will not say Jackie. They will say Jackie Bird, Jay Bird, Bird of Woman, Bird Lady. Um, who did I leave off? Oh, Jack. If I did I say Jay Bird? Mm-hmm. Um so that that's the, con- the the conjugation of my name. That that's usually the forms. And then there's of course there's Lucy which has nothing to do with my name and all to do with Lucille Ball. And, oh my goodness. <laughs> and I can't dispute it. You know, I can't go, I'm not like Lucy. That's It's not true. Very much like <laughs> Lucy, okay? Very much like Lucy. And then the the name that I got when I was performing was Dash and Diva. Mm. That was the name that my castmates called me because... When that show came down, those dolls would be in the dress room, chicka chaka chicka chaka chaka half in costume, kind of pulling off the false eyelid. I was gone. I was a bye. See ya. So <laughs> folks would be still coming up from backstage, up the stairs, and I'd be on my way out. And they were like, so they start calling me Dash and Diva. So that's the other nickname. <laughs> I love that. And you know, and that's true. Cause sometimes it's like, I don't have time. I got other things to do. It's like, I don't been in them shoes that hurt. I hate false eyelashes and I got too much makeup on my face. It got to come off. So that's, that was my feel. It was like, none of this is comfortable. I'm done. I'm out. I got to go home. I got to get on the train. Mm, done. I'm done. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm just so excited to um, to just have you here today because you've done so many incredible and artistic things and even in preparing for this I was just getting so excited because I just admire the the range of work that you've done. Oh, thank and you. Absolutely, and just how um, vibrant your spirit is, um, just through even like your website and everything. So I'm really excited Ooh, that we can that's be here a with you. Good one. That means I did my job. That's awesome. Yay. Yay. <laughs> yes, you did. So I'm going to give you um, a soapbox for a second. You can just kind of um, tell everyone in your own words what your kind of artistic journey and career has been and what you do now. Mm. All right. Well, I start, I, I, this is how I like to phrase it. My first life, I was a performing artist. I was a dancer, singer, actress. I'd done some Broadway, some stage, a couple of films. I'm in Spike Lee's school days. Um, I did some TV. Mm. Yeah. And um, I was a, also a choreographer and a master teacher. So that was the first life. Second life was primarily as a choreographer and master teacher. And I traveled the world. I got to teach and uh, some fantastic places. I've, I've gone to India to teach. I've been in Japan several times. So that was kind of the second life. So the third and current life is that of, I'm still a choreographer and a master teacher. I choreograph for the Young People's Chorus of New York City. And um, they, matter of fact, they just had their spring concert. And um, twice, no, three three times a year, I work with 420 five young people from the ages of seven through 18. So (laughs) yeah, I, that's a lot of young people. (laughs) Uh, yes. And I direct and choreograph their fundraising gala once a year. So that's, that's a, a whole life in and of itself. And, um, I'm a writer, I'm a singer. Um, what else? I am the founder of Jackie Bird Spiritual Wellness, I write ebooks on stress relief, mindfulness, awareness, personal growth. I am 
going to be launching a podcast in a couple of weeks called Roll With Peace In Mind. Um, I feel like I'm, oh, and I'm also the um, creative practitioner of Stress Busters Guided Meditation. And I'm leaving out something. Oh, and I am the, the uh, creator and owner of Modal Visions. And Modal Visions used to be called Silk Wire Jewelry, where I was making handmade gemstone jewelry. Now Modal Visions, I've shifted the focus. So I am creating wall hangings with gemstones and I still create handmade jewelry. I think I got everything. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> I had to go. I was like, what am I leaving out? <laughs> oh my goodness. That is fantastic. I love that you have embraced everything and not, you know, a lot of people, they kind of like quarter off all of their talents. Like, oh, I've got to do this or I've got to choose something. I love yeah. that you've embraced it all and not said like, oh, I just have to do one thing. You know, I think society kind of steers us in that direction where you have to focus on one thing. And mm -hmm. for a long time, I was pretty much in that head when I was dancing, you know, it was all about being in class and, um, uh, my career as a performing artist, you know, you were in acting class, singing class, you know, I was always pretty much in that head of, of, of growing my performing career. But when I left that career, that's when I really began to discover all the other things that I could do and that I, that I had an interest in. And it, um, you know, when you're a creative person, you're a creative person. It's not that you are mm -hmm. an, a sculptor or a painter or any of that. You're a creative person. And the uh, creativity speaks to you through many mediums. And if you allow that mm -hmm. to come through, you will find yourself doing a lot of different things. That's so, so true. I couldn't have said that any better. I, I'm in full agreement. I think that, yes, we might gravitate towards something mm -hmm. or have a favorite or something that we're more skilled at, but you're right. Being in a creative mindset, you're going to see things and envision things in different ways and different places Yes, based on what you like or what you've been exposed to. Yes. It's never just that you see the world one way. Yes. And that's the beauty of it. I mean, you're never, ever bored ever. And a lot of times you'll get stimulus or stimuli from something and you don't know exactly how it's going to flow out of you. And it could be years, but mm -hmm. you as a creative, as a creative, you are like this sponge where you're just soaking up everything. It's wonderful. Absolutely. Well, first and foremost, so obviously you're in New York. Is that where you're from originally or did you move there? I'm originally from Brooklyn. I'm a Brooklyn girl. I am. Yes. <laughs> I feel like that's where all the artists live. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that's where they all are. I'm, I, I don't live in Brooklyn anymore. I haven't lived in Brooklyn in, in a lot of years, but um, I, I live in Jersey City and I've lived in New Jersey, okay. the state of New Jersey for at this point more than half my life. But I am a Brooklyn girl at heart. And um, I agree with you in terms of the that being a, a rich um, borough for the arts and, and mm -hmm. creativity. You know, a lot of us, at least in my uh, young younger life, we were, I guess we would be considered middle-class at that point. A lot of families, my family was poor, straight up poor. Mm -hmm. And I think that when you come up that way, you have to be creative because you have to come up with uh, ways to like keep your... Um, <laughs> keep your window sill, keep the window from falling down. You know, okay. you have to figure out how to keep, how to how to um keep your refrigerator door closed because the handle broke. I mean, you know, you have to you, you know you have to do the ghetto humidifier when there's too much heat. You know, you have to figure out how to put water on that pot so that you don't dry out. I mean, you know, you, right. know, you know, you know, you're not thinking about this when you're going through it. But as no. I look back, I go, wow, that was like a really kind of interesting existence to have because it, it kept me, it taught me to be resourceful. Yeah, people, I think people underestimate just how much creativity there is in 
in poor communities and poor families thinking that, oh, they don't have anything, but it, you have to use your mind so much more than if everything was just there. Yes. 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 And my hope is, you know, as I'm seeing, uh, looking at videos from, uh, different, you know, African countries and I'm seeing how people are taking, uh, the resources around them, be it plastic, you know, like a, a mound of trash and creating mm-hmm. these uh, magnificent pieces of art that, that um, if people are listening and they are like struggling, that they need to really look at their resources that are not necessarily um, obvious because mm-hmm. you can create all kinds of things if you really, really tap into the creative aspect of yourself. Absolutely. I, I could not agree more. I think, I think a lot of times it's so easy to get caught up in, you know, Oh, I need this. Yes. Right. Or if only I had that, or yes. if only I was over here, or if only this person could help yes. me, yes. you know, and thinking that you can only create within the limitation of, you know, of what if, or if only, and that really just becomes a little bit of a, excuse right it's like if you've got a brain and you are able to think about something you have everything that you need right there that is so incredibly true and inspiring you know because i Mm -hmm. agree with you 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 we tend to um and this actually taps into uh the field that i'm in in terms of inspiring and not going beyond what's in front of you and really, really mm-hmm. using your imagination and your positiveness, your positive side to, yeah. oh, okay, what can I do with this? What what can I, how can I sculpt this? How can I change this situation that I'm in to something exactly. that's more to my liking? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Finding the, finding the opportunities and the doors mm-hmm. um, in every situation that you're in. That's- yes. That's such an important skill. Yes. And I think as a creative, you know, if you're, if you're, you know, you don't have that steady paycheck, you're not working for someone, you mm-hmm. gotta be um, resourceful in, in terms of, you, do. you know, how, how you're going to make a living. It's, it can be kind of dicey a lot. And I think that that's why a lot of people um, don't use their creative side because they don't want Mm -hmm. the quote unquote instability of being an artist. But Mm -hmm. I think that some of us are more stable in not necessarily financially, but more stable in terms of how we roll in the world because we're doing what we love. Exactly. Exactly. And, and you know, and I'm so glad you brought up that point because I would, I'm interested in your, in your thoughts on that is that whenever someone does kind of, you know, show that kind of talent or passion, they're like, oh, I'm going to go and be a musician or a dancer or what have you. The issue of instability and the starving artist and, mm-hmm. oh, you're taking a risk and how are you going to pay rent? Right. And I hope you don't come and live on my couch next week. It <laughs> always kind of pops up. Yes. What are kind of your your thoughts? Do you think that, that is inevitably hand in hand with pursuing art? Or do you think that it's more just something that people have kind of created and make it seem like it's negative, but it's really not? I think it's both. I think that it's a mindset that we tap into and we accept that um, Mm -hmm. you have to be a starving artist, you know, um, and I also do know (laughs) as having, as been someone who has lived their entire life um, from their art, that you do go through periods where there's ebb and flow. And sometimes the ebb is really scary. I've had, you know, months where I couldn't pay my rent, but Mm -hmm. I wonder, and I can't prove it, but I wonder Um, if it is because I go through these periods where you start to see the ebb and your thoughts are going, oh my goodness, what if I can't? So you end up creating the situation that you're fearing because that's Mm. what's on your mind. I tell young people, since I work with a whole lot of them and a lot of them are graduating, you know, heading to college and I'll ask, you know, what do you want to do with your life? What, what do you see for yourself in your life? And a lot of them want to be 
in the arts, but their parents are like, no, no, right. You can't, no, no, it's too unstable. And, and I'm thinking, why do we revere in the society, the people that are stars and celebrities? Why do we, we revere sports figures? You know, these people Mm -hmm. are basically self-employed to a large extent. They are. We revere Mm -hmm. them, but we don't think it's possible for us. And, and, Mm -hmm. um, you get that, that double contradictory thing. And I think because we have that, we do help the, the, the up and down of our careers because of what, how we view things. We expect to have have moments of scarcity. And, um, Mm -hmm. I think it's that that thought that helps those moments of scarcity. <laughs> it does, you know, to show up. You know, so I. That's right. <laughs> so you know, I tell young people: expect to have a successful career. Don't go mm-hmm. out there expecting to struggle, because mm-hmm. if you expect to struggle, oh, trust me, you will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know that's absolutely that's absolutely true and it's so I'm glad that you brought that up because we do set ourselves up looking for the trouble yeah yes, instead of looking for the success and even in a if you were to look at life purely from a, a financial lens it's really interesting because like you said all the people we look up to all the people were like oh that person's wealthy or mm-hmm. be like that person make those decisions mm-hmm most of them came by ways that we would consider more or less risky because they were in the arts or they created a business or something that was interesting and not merely because they had a really great job. So it's like, even if you looked at your child and said, Hey, I want them to be like this person, it would speak more to the road less traveled in a sense. Oh, how true is that? I mean, look at Steve jobs. If he didn't have the vision, people wouldn't have iPhones we wouldn't you know literally right literally you would not have an iphone so you know there's a lot to be said about following your instincts and not listening mm-hmm. to the naysayers and and mm-hmm. really looking for examples of people that have quote unquote made it because that's a whole nother thing unto itself in terms of what we think making it is um, yes. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, we that's we have to get into that too because that's an entire. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know when you when you look at people that um are making it and you look at their stories, you know they mm-hmm. had they had to, they had adversity they had um moments where they doubted. Um, whether they would bring their vision to fruition. But then there were some people that had no doubt. They had mm-hmm. no doubts that this was was the, the, the thing for them to do and that they would make a way. A way would be made for them somewhere. That's faith. You have to step out on faith. You've got to do that early. You've got to get into the practice of it. I agree. Wow, do I agree with that. You have to get into it early. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I think that Obviously, I'm a firm believer that we can all, you know, make those adjustments and improvements in our lives at any point. Mm -hmm. But if you've spent too much time not being used to that concept of living and moving and creating Mm -hmm. in faith and in optimism, Mm -hmm. it's going to be even harder to retrain yourself to do that. And then obviously, you know, that is that's, you know, what you help people with now. But I think that's so important to start early. You know, it's, it's interesting. Also, when I look at myself at the beginning of my career, I was like this fierce lioness, you know, there was nothing anybody could say to deter me. And the funny Mm -hmm. thing is I started dancing at a very late age. I started dancing in high school and yes, I started dancing in high school and I took dance because I did not want to take gym. (laughs) <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> that story is even better than I thought <laughs> that's how I ended up in dance class I was like oh what the heck I took gym I know what that is let me try dance and I ended up falling in love with it and at the time I was wrangling with 
what I wanted to do. And I was between being a scientist, being a writer, Mm -hmm. and then I decided to be a dancer. So, (laughs) you know, and it was really like abrupt. It was like, um, um, my dance teacher took us, a few of us to see Alvin Ailey. Mm. And at, by the by the end of that show, I was I was I'm dancing, and it was really great that I was as green as I was because I really had no clue what that meant. I just yeah. knew that this was what I was going to do, and it turns out that when I went to audition <laughs> for the for, for the college that I got into, which was City College. I knew nothing, nothing. We're at the audition and the um, teacher says, um, go to the bar. And I remembered standing there going, the bar? The bar? We're going to go drink before we audition? I kid you not. Oh my goodness. I kid you not. That's how I, how much I did not know. I did not know what the bar was. Mm-hmm. And I watched everybody walk over to the side to this wooden thing. And I went, I followed them. And yeah. I had never taken ballet. I didn't know what a tondu was, a batma, degage. I didn't know any of those terms. And I just followed. And then we had to go across the floor. And I here comes the, that picture of Lucy, that episode where there's a... um. <laughs> Uh, two ballet dancers come and they're supposed to be, mm-hmm. she's supposed to be showing how good she is in ballet. That was me literally in my college audition, literally, wow. literally me going across the floor, not knowing what any term was and just following. And if it wasn't for the fact that we had to also do a something that we choreographed. That's what got me into that department. If nothing else did, it was my dance. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so then, then my dance life really began once I got to college. And the um it was a very small department and the people that were on faculty were extraordinary, extraordinary. And they just took me like this this piece of clay and just molded mm-hmm. me. I am forever grateful to uh, my college experience. Oh, that is wonderful. And I think it's, I think that is a tremendous lesson in, you know, how beautiful it can be sometimes when you are coming to something completely a clean slate but you just mm-hmm. have the energy and the um what's the, the word drive for? the just vision the, the attention. drive exactly yes and and you're open and willing to learn as much as you can I think that's the best way to come to any type of creative practice I mean the 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 thing that's interesting and I and when I even started off on that on that tangent was that um at the beginning of my career, I had said earlier, I was this lioness and I knew Mm -hmm. nothing, (laughs) but the more I started to learn. And when I got out in the world and I started, you know, I got my equity card and I got my sad card and I got my after card as I was going along in my career, I became more paranoid, more fearful, more doubting. Um, Mm -hmm. It, it was, it's like, as I look back, I go, wow, it's interesting how if you start listening to people in terms of what they think or what your trajectory should be, or this is what you should do, the more you do that, the more you begin to lose who you are and the more you begin to lose your direction. Yeah. You know, um, because mm-hmm. now you've got all these people telling you, you know, okay, now you need to get an agent. Now you need to stop taking a tour. Now you need to um, get act, take acting classes. Um, you know, f- for me personally, th- what I really wanted was to dance. And as I look back, I had turned down, um, <laughs> you're going to scream when I tell you this. I had um, an opportunity um I had run into a friend on the street and she was like, girl, 
you better get over there auditioning for the Emmys. And I had, I was not, uh, cause back in the, that day, it's probably the same now. Sometimes you would get invited to, you know, closed auditions. And, um, mm-hmm. I wasn't the ch- type to crash, but she was adamant. She was like, you better get over there. You, I don't care. No, yeah. go. So I go over there and my idol, Demita Joe Freeman of Soul Train fame was the choreographer. Mm. Oh my yes. goodness. Okay. I actually know who you're talking about because I love watching the videos on YouTube. Yes. So I, I got you. Yes. <laughs> she was the choreographer. So I'm like in there just in dream world. And mm-hmm. she ends up taking me out of the room and she says, um, I would hire you right now, but I promised this job already. And it's a long story, so I'm not going to get into it. But but um, the, she was auditioning people to dance behind Whitney Houston. Oh, my goodness. And it was when Whitney's star was going up. It was when this was like the first big thing on a national scale for her. Mm-hmm. Um, so because of the circumstances, I didn't get hired for that. But when... Um, she was doing her first tour. Um, oh gosh, her name just went out of my head. She's an she and uh, Candy Candy Alexander was the mm-hmm. um, assistant to uh, Demita. So she was working the tour, and she invited me. She walked up to me. She said, "We would like to invite you to do the tour," and I turned it down. And I turned it. Yes, yes I turned it. <laughs> I turned it down because at that time, this was at the beginning of backup dancers, so to speak, dancing behind stars. So that mm-hmm. was not a viable co- career path at that time. I sound like I'm 50,000 years old, but I'm just <laughs> <laughs> talking um, what the reality was at that time. So in terms of my mm-hmm trajectory, I was looking at a career like Debbie Allen's because she was my, my major, major idol. And so I wanted to do TV film, you know, the whole nine and, you know, dancing for six weeks in uh, France and Italy behind a singer was not what you did at that time. So I turned it down. But in retrospect, as I look back in terms of looking at how I got a little off track. Cause I think you always end up on track, <laughs> but mm-hmm. at that time I got a little off track because I was listening to too many people and I was not checking in with what do I want? What do I really want? And mm. you know, I love traveling. So the ideal would have been me just traveling, taking anything that went out of the country that seemed of interest to me that mm-hmm. would have been my career as opposed to the aspirations of uh television and film i wasn't n- ever interested in being an actress ever but i you know i took the i you know i studied and right. you know pursued that track and i did do mm-hmm. you know a couple of things where i was just an actress and i wasn't singing i wasn't dancing and that was like a big deal as far as the progression up, but it was not in keeping with what my soul wanted, what was coming through me. How did I really want to express? I wonder, and something that's really interesting, did you always kind of, um, kind of know, you know, it's important for me to stay true to myself and kind of have that, you know, that strong kind of internal clock that you were driven by or, would you say that there were people in your life or like mentors who kind of helped you understand the importance of that? Again, to both the answer is yes to both. There were, there were mentors that helped guide me um, in an amazing ways. But I also, like I said, I got caught up with the trajectory, how you're supposed to, elevate your career? What, what things do you take and what things don't you take? Very early mm-hmm. in my career, actually, I hadn't even graduated from college yet. I had, um, one of the 
He's a legend in the jazz dance world. His name is Buzz Miller. And he was often a guest choreographer to my school. And he took me under Mm -hmm. his wing and he ended up helping me get into American Dance Machine, which was uh, run by Lee Theodore. And Lee Theodore was the original anybody's in... um, I think it's West by, uh, I think I'm getting my musicals mixed up, but she was the original anybody. She was musical theater legend and she ran this, mm-hmm. this was her, she founded this school, the American dance machine. And it was a very elite place to go. And buzz got me in there. There were no black people up in there. Mm-hmm. No black people. There was maybe one. I think, I think there was one, one other one at the time. But mm-hmm. um, I got up in there and I was duking it out with everybody else. I was, you know, doing my thing. And she took a liking to me, which was like unusual because she was a very hard woman, very, very, very hard. And she mm-hmm. offered me, at the time, seemed like a, a once in a lifetime opportunity to apprentice her company. And what that would entail is me learning everything in the rep because I had that kind of head, I had that kind of mind. Um, Mm -hmm. And so they were going to Japan, I think it was for six weeks. Japan was one of the places I had wanted to go in my life from from childhood. And so bam, this drops in my lap, I haven't even graduated. And um, Mm. everybody's going, you have to take it, you have to take it, you have to take it. But there's something in me that's not all that excited. And I couldn't explain it because I didn't understand it. Right. But it's like on paper, this is perfect. Yes, you know, <laughs> you're going, you know, and um, I would have, I think I would have gotten my equity card at that point, at the end of the tour. And my ballet teacher, who was, was a mentor of mine, Walter Raines, at, uh, at my college, he's, he's like on me about you have to take it. Why haven't you taken it? You have to take it. And um, he even had, Walter even had my best friend at the time call me up to try to convince me to take it. And I'm like going, Miss Thing, you know how I'm on the fence about this. So who's, where's this coming from? And then she had to admit that Walter had put her up to it. (laughs) because uh, <laughs> you know, I'm thinking you should know better you know that I'm stubborn as all get out why would you try to convince me you should know better yeah. so anyway a longer story short I my parents were like because I was going back and forth yeah I'll take it no I won't yeah I'll take it no I won't and my dad ultimately said it's your decision do whatever you f- you feel you want to do here and I ended up saying no and my my ballet teacher Walter Raines had said to me uh, before I actually said no. He said, "Opportunity only knocks once." Mm-hmm. And I remember looking at him, going, "No, it doesn't." I'm thinking this, but you know what? Am I twenty right. at that time? Twenty one, maybe. And I'm think I'm like, but but to me that doesn't feel right. It it just doesn't feel right. And um, I said no. He thought I had made the most huge mistake ever. Um, mm-hmm. Lee Theodore then basically discarded me. And I eventually left the school. But before I left the school, I'm in the dressing room, which was in the basement of the... This built this place was in the Harkness House on 75th Street, East 75th Street, which is an incredible, incredible building. And I'm in the basement mm-hmm. and I'm overhearing some of the girls talking and they're in the company and they're talking about an understudy and they are ripping her to shreds. They are talking about her so badly and they were jealous of her. And I'm hearing this and I'm thinking, I wouldn't have been able to handle that at that time. Yeah. You know, um, I would have been in Japan. And then I also found out afterwards that being an apprentice was not a good thing in that company. And then I wouldn't have gotten a chance to perform because the only 
um, dances, I would have been able to perform were the Catherine Dunham pieces. Oh. Yes. So I would, mm, I, I would have just been the computer for, in terms of helping to store the information. And I just, that's not, I, I wasn't trying to do that. I want to be on stage. Right. And so when I saw all of that and I started get, to get all that information, I saw how catty the girls were, I knew I had made the right decision. And mm-hmm. child, after that, I had been to Japan six times after that. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I'm so glad you said that because those things happen and you tell yourself, this is it. I'm not, this is it. This is, this will never happen to me again. Opportunity only knocks once he tells me, and I go to Japan six times. I go twice in the same year as a performer. And then I go four more times as a teacher. So, yeah. But you know what? I think it shows sometimes even even when we have big dreams or big ideas, it's like we can still, whether we do it ourselves or it's other people telling us, like in this case, we get caught in these very, mm-hmm. very small boxes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, it's my dream to go to Japan. I'll probably only ever get to go once in yeah. my life because who else, who could possibly go more yeah. than that? You know, and we just... Our lives are so much broader and they have so much more possibility than we allow ourselves to The possibilities are endless. They They are are. endless. You know, if I could say nothing of more value in this time that we have together, the possibilities are endless. That's just, I, that's the best example (laughs) (laughs) that I can think of. I'm still, it's so, so crazy. You know, I made friends in Japan. I got invited to, um, I had gone on one trip. I had, I was going to Nagoya to teach. I was there for a week. Mm -hmm. And then I, I was invited by a friend of mine who was living, um, in, wait a minute. Oh, Oh, she was living. I forgot the name of the town, Gifu, which was on the other side of Japan. And Mm. I ended up being helped to get there. The, the, the woman that had hired me to teach for her helped me get my tickets, my, you know, my train tickets. Matter of fact, I think Mm -hmm. the school paid for the tickets now that I think about it. So I ended up taking a bullet train alone. You know, um, I had, I think I had to go to Osaka and then I had to, no, I had to go to Tokyo. I had to change there. And, um, you know, I ended up staying another week in Gifu with my friends and they took me around, you know, so it's not like I just got to go to Japan, do the gig and then go home. Each time I went to Japan, I got to see parts of Japan and explore and, and make friends. <laughs> That's, that is so awesome. And I think it's, um, it's so cool that you mentioned that because I was talking to a friend a week or so ago and we were talking about places in the world we wanted to see and they had mentioned um, Japan was on their list. And I was like, you know, I never, I was like, I guess I never paid that much attention to it. But I was looking at all of the, not only so many cultural things, but just, I didn't realize how diverse it was geographically with the mountains yes. and the beaches. Yes. And it's such a beautiful, beautiful country. It is. It is. And the people, I love that country. I, I absolutely love that country. I, um, you know, as I said, I've made many friends there and um, just have had amazingly wonderful experiences, both mm-hmm. with my friends and with strangers. Um, you know, so I, I, I just if you if you have the opportunity, definitely go. It, it's eye opening so, on so many levels. And if you if you can't remember, that is not your only chance. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, man. You know, it's like, it's not just about when you're creative, it's not just about thinking outside the box. It's about mm-hmm. thinking boxless. You know, there is no box. Yes. There is no box. 
that that's I love that's that. the the you know it's funny um my my dude is is a big fan of the matrix movies mm-hmm. and um it's almost like every time they could so, you know some cable channel is airing the matrix but there's so many messages in that film or those films so many messages man that really really deep and and um <laughs> one of the favorite my uh guy's favorite scenes is the spoon boy where he says there is no spoon he you know <laughs> so it's like there is no box boxes. <laughs> that, that, that's the that's the thing you have to keep you have to keep in mind you know <laughs> absolutely <laughs> You mentioned something and I'm, I wanted to ask, oh, as a, just seeing how you um, were able to go and grow, I should say, and, you know, go from one opportunity to another, especially as a dancer and performing and then eventually teaching, what would you say from your experience are, would be like an important quality for you know, a dancer to have? Like, what would you say was probably most crucial to your success and your growth? I would say to be versatile. Be versatile. Mm -hmm. Don't just be a hip-hop dancer or a lyrical dancer. Do as many styles of dance well as possible. Mm -hmm. Because A, it's going to increase your opportunities to work. B, it's going to lend you to being more flexible when it comes to working with choreographers. Because the one thing I noticed um, when I was uh, doing a lot of master teaching and uh, traveling in the country and visiting different studios to give master classes is that people can be uh, technically phenomenal but they are mm-hmm. inflexible when it comes to grasping the style of a choreographer that they're not used to. You know, when you're, if you mm-hmm. come up through the studio, you are accustomed to Miss Jane and Miss Essie and, you know, your teachers. Right. And you may go to, you know, conventions like Dance Masters of America and, you know, different conventions, but you are not necessarily get, getting the style of the choreographers that are up on that stage. And, mm. and I saw when I, you know, would go visit studios, I'd see kids just doing what they were accustomed to doing and they would be nowhere near the, the style that I was giving. So you want to be versatile um, in terms of style and you want to be able to photograph in your mind the details in that person's choreography, because we all have signatures. Every choreographer Mm -hmm. has a signature or a toolbox. And there are details that we are looking for that we want. Mm. And um, if you're like me, you're insisting upon it. Yeah. So you as the dancer have to be able to get that without the choreographer harping on it or the assistant harping on it. Because when you can Mm -hmm. do that at an audition, you will stand out whether you get the job or not, that you will be put in the back of the mind of that choreographer. Ah, okay. She got my style. I can't use her right now, but pull her, pull her, pull her picture, pull her, put her picture over here. I want to hold on to it. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. That's, that's, that's really, really priceless. Cause I could see that just as, you know, something that you are used to doing things a certain mm-hmm. way, but being able to look at it through another person's lens and interpreting it through a different style that I could see that being an invaluable skill to have. It is. I mean, I was always, almost on every show I did, I was the dance captain. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a woman that I used to assist for a lot of projects and it was because of that quality. I could see it and bam, I had it. Um, so I think that, you know, paying attention to detail is key for a dancer who wants to work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Exactly. That's the key, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Who wants to work? 
that's what separates us all. <laughs> yes, yes. Who wants to work? You know. <laughs> You know, because ultimately, unless you're going to do concert work, it, mm-hmm. it is not about how high you can get your leg or how many turns you can do or whether you can bend your back to your butt. If you're going to pursue musical theater, there are certain things like two turns, two clean pirouettes, mm-hmm. you know, dancing in concert with everyone else, getting the style of the choreographer, Um you know, there are certain things that, like I said, I don't care how many turns you can do or whether you can, you know, extend Devlape up into Alice Agone and, you know, tilt and that leg don't move. And all that's cute and it's fabulous and it's wonderful. But you also have to look at where do you want to go with that? There has to be a, a, an end purpose or some type of intention behind it. Yes. Yes. And, and know the, the, know the medium in which you, the medium in, medium in which you want to work. See, I could go on in terms mm-hmm. of what dancers need, because a lot of times there'll be this, uh, lack of, again, attention to detail in terms of what you're auditioning for. You got to know what you're auditioning for and you mm-hmm. have to understand what the, what the rules are. Yeah. You know, what, what, because each, each thing, there are certain things that you have to bring to it. Like I said, if you're going to do musical theater, two clean pirouettes, hey, good. Mm-hmm. Because you're not going to get to turn 10 times unless it's a solo. Because who mm-hmm. else is going to turn 10 times with you at the same time? Right. You know, it's tricky to get people to revolve around at the same time. Absolutely. <laughs> stage is only so big (laughs) yeah but I mean you know even if you look at if you're watching like a trio and they're doing fortes Mm -hmm. to get them to forte at the same rate and come around at the same time that's a challenge Mm -hmm. you know so you're not going to put 20 people up on the stage and get 20 people forteing unless you are going to do some type of concert work but I'm talking about like on the on the musical theater stage so that's what I mean. You have to know what the parameters are. So it's a lot of, you need to be, and this is with everything, you've got to be understanding and studying what you're doing. You can't just roll yes. in there like, hey, I'm good. You got to watch me. <laughs> right. Well, you know, the funny thing about that is I do think that you have to step into an audition confident. Yes. And and confident in, in your skills. Um, and, and, I br- this is what I bring. Right. This is what I bring to the table mm-hmm. in terms of your personality mm-hmm. and and your style and how you embellish whatever the uh, the style of of the of the choreographer, how you bring that to light. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how it looks on your body, uh, you know, and all of that, but I also am saying that because you can do 20 fuertes and you want to be a musical theater performer, the t- the twain don't meet. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so have other things that you can do. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> before, before I let you go, I know that I did want to give you the opportunity. I know you have transitioned into helping um, individuals with mindfulness and mm-hmm. wellness. And I would just love to kind of hear what kind of prompted you to do that work and what, why you think it's so important. <laughs> Having a career as a performing artist. <laughs> That's what got me there. <laughs> I figured. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because I, I laugh when I say that, but I, it, it is true because mm-hmm. I got to a point in my career where I was extraordinarily frustrated and mm-hmm. I was extraordinarily depressed. And, you know, when you're a younger person and you're in the moment of making things happen, you don't always have the, the foresight and you certainly don't have the hindsight. Mm-hmm. But if you are a younger person, read books on history in terms of dance trends and showbiz, mm-hmm. because it will give you 
an idea on the ebb and flow of how life just goes. When mm-hmm. I was performing and when it got hard for me to get work, it was the the the, the uh, world was changing. Musical theater was changing. We were beginning mm-hmm. to get an influx of um, shows from Britain and the requirements were shifting. They were start not looking at all different types of bodies. They began to look at one size fits all bodies, long, lean, and lanky. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, you know, I'm five three. They were starting to look want women five five and up. And then there were some shows they wanted you five eight and up. So that was Ooh. beginning to happen. And I had also transitioned out of dancing, and I was going out as a singer. But my voice was not the sound that shows were beginning to morph into. It was more that high, belty, uh, nasally sound. And I don't, you can tell from my speaking voice, that's not my singing voice. And so I spent a lot of time and money trying to get that sound and Mm. was, you know, just constantly frustrated. And I've, made a a choice, which was very painful because I still loved performing. I still wanted to be in that field, but I was so unhappy. And I began to start taking teaching work and started traveling and realized I didn't miss auditioning and all of that. But the years between me actually walking away and now there was a lot of upheaval and a lot of me f- trying to figure out what my passion was because that was it. So yeah. in, in that path of who am I, what am I, I began to realize that there were, there was more to what I was looking for, there, there was, there was uh, a quality of life that I began to be in search of. And mm-hmm. through a lot of pretty tumultuous, uh, and sometimes that's what brings you to another place is the adversity and the, the bad things that happen and the, the trying times. Sometimes that is when you actually find yourself. Yeah. And so that those periods is what ultimately brought me to this whole mindfulness place and stress relief. And because I had to figure out how to calm myself down. Absolutely. (laughs) I was stressing out to the point of eczema, Mm -hmm. perfect skin my whole life. And then I had eczema and it was like, okay, you have to calm down. So it was through figuring out how I could calm down and also just discovering things like sound and, you know, Tibetan singing bowls. I was already taking yoga. I was already reading um, a lot of self-help books and just beginning to formulate or understand, come to a different understanding in my life is when Stress Busters Guided Meditation was born. And from that journey, and working with gemstones, that was the other thing with that, because I work with gemstones because of their properties. So it was mm-hmm. just like a, a lot of things that I started to do and try that led me on this, this uh, path of wanting to find peace and, and figuring out how I could be in control of my own peace, because we each are in control of our own peace, regardless of what's happening mm-hmm. around you. And that desire is what brought me to this Jackie Bird spiritual wellness place. And, um, through, through finding those things and, um, really being at peace in my life and being a happy person, you know, not a happy go lucky person, but happy. I am happy in my life. I'm happy, um, where I am in my life. I'm happy with what I have in my life. I am grateful mm-hmm. for what I have and grateful for the many opportunities I've had and the amazing people I've met in my life. And um, when you're filled with a sense of gratitude, you just want to 
be able to share that or at least help guide people to the possibility of finding that for themselves. So that what Jackie Bird's spiritual wellness is about. And um, I've written eBooks on mindfulness and uh, stress relief and, you know, dealing with anxiety and depression, all that. Cause I've had all of that. I've had anxiety. Mm -hmm. I've I've dealt with uh, depression and I understand at least at this level and point in my life, so what what are some of the things that you can do to help alleviate that? And I think I think it is beautiful that you were able to take those personal experiences, take all of the first of all, do the work to be able to overcome those things yes. and to figure out how to handle them. Yes. And then be able to go back and reflect enough to say, Hey, I can share this with someone else who is in the same boat. Yes. Yes. I mean, you know, through teaching, I mean, I've been teaching for teaching dance for decades and Mm -hmm. I've always had that, uh, guidance kind of thing in terms of, uh, you know, I was always the one in, in the cast, you know, people used to say, girl, you need to hang out, hang out your shingle. I was always, you know, that's like a natural thing for me to guide, Mm -hmm. um, and, and to advise. So, when I teach, I'm not just about, you know, whether you get the step or not. I'm also trying to show you how to be a better human being. So that's always been part of my mission in my lifetime is to help guide, you know, because it's, it's in our best interest for people to be happy. (laughs) Absolutely. It's better for everyone. It's better for everyone, you know, when there's more happy people on the planet. So my my uh intention to to figure out how Jackie can be happy is what like i said led to me creating and and this path that i'm on now i think that is i think that's fantastic and i think it's just mm-hmm. it's just beautiful to see your passion for it and to see how um how encouraging I know that is not only for the people that you work with, but everyone who is going to hear about it and come across it and hopefully choose to work with you too, because I think it's so important for everyone, but especially as creatives. Yes, 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 yes. Because we're constantly digging deep into our own emotions, our own experiences, Mm -hmm. interpreting someone else's story or emotions and that takes such a high level of mindfulness and care to make sure that you're staying healthy through all of the demands of that. Yes, yes, yes. And sometimes you find yourself being the only, your only cheerleader, That's you know, right. which, you know, is, is important. You have to be your own cheerleader, but sometimes you can feel lonely you know, especially if you're, you're, you've got a product or a project um, that you are launching and you still, you've been, you know, like time is gone and you still feel like you're in the launch mode. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how to, you know, I don't want to use the word cope because I, I don't think that that's a proactive word really, mm-hmm. um, in terms of, um, moving something forward, but yeah. finding how to transcend, ah, that's the word I want, Absolutely. how to transcend those feelings of, of, uh, you know, of, of not failure, but when things are not happening, yeah. how do you transcend that? And, um, as creatives, you got to have those tools. You do. I mean, everybody has to have the tools, but you know, mm-hmm. as creatives, because we are sometimes our only cheerleader and can the only ones that can see the vision. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You have to have that mindset of, okay, I'm the only one seeing it now, but I won't always be the only one. There will be other people. What I am offering is going to resonate with a whole bunch of people. Man, this is, this is so good. (laughs) I'm sitting here. I'm like, you know what? We're clearing out. We're having a whole season on Jackie. Thank you so much for that. That's just beautiful. <laughs> I am serious. I just, I am enjoying this so much. You can have me back anytime you wish. So don't hesitate. It's been my pleasure to talk to you um, because I think this is an important forum mm-hmm. for, for people. 
Um, all right, so we are going to, this has already been fun, but we're going to get to the really fun part. Okay. <laughs> are you ready? Yes. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. So the last book that you read, wanted to read either of those. Ah, the, I'm at the, the last few pages of Michelle Obama's Becoming. Oh, oh my gosh. What an incredible, extraordinary read. Isn't it? That is inspiring. Mm -hmm. Just an amazing. Uh, it's like she wrote it to you. It's like she was sitting in your living room talking to you. It the is. Way it's yeah, it's so personal. And I admire just her, her honesty and transparency. Me too. So much. Yes. Yes. Matter of fact, I could have finished the book, but it's it's one of those books where I don't want to finish it. Right, so you just so, kind of drag it out. You read like yeah. two sentences and you stop. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's exactly right. All right. So what is a song that has been stuck in your mind lately? <laughs> I laugh because, as I told you earlier, I work with the Young People's Chorus of New York City. Yeah. So there it's like whatever the songs are always on um scramble not shuffle but scramble okay. so there'll be a piece of a song um going through my mind nothing anybody's heard unless you are familiar with this with this uh, chorus um, but that's ba basically been on scramble in my mind pieces of uh, you know another hundred people just got over the pile. You know, and then that'll cycle for a few pieces, and I'm like, ain't gonna, ain't gonna, ooh, ain't gonna, and that'll go through my head, and then it'll be, um, <laughs> get on board. So, yeah, that's what <laughs> going on through my mind. That sounds very exciting. Do they, like, where do they perform? Like, all over the world, okay. all over the world. But they just did like their their fundraising gala is at Jazz at Lincoln Center every year. Mm. Um, a couple of years it's been at Carnegie Hall. Okay. Their spring concert was just at United Palace, which is this incredible gem of a theater throwback, old school, or neat. Um, when I went in that lobby, I couldn't believe it. They they just had their spring concert there up in Washington Heights. Mm. And, and oh, and then last year their winter concert was at at Carnegie Hall. So they're they're pretty up there. They're they're um, one of the top in in the in the world. One of the top courses. That's awesome. All right. Well, last but not least. What is a, and you've given us so many gems. I almost don't want to like <laughs> mess it up, but I'll, I'll throw in another one. What is a quote or um, a saying, something that you live by or kind of tell yourself when you need um, to re a reminder? Huh. That's funny because one of the things that I do if, uh, in Jackie Bird Spiritual Wellness is I post on Instagram affirmations that I write with images that I've taken from around the world. Oh, so I do a lot of my own quotes, Okay. but the quote that I have lived by since I was in junior high school is you do your thing and I'll do mine. Mm -hmm. That is, that sums me up because it was from, I believe a poem. Uh, I do my thing and you do your thing. I am not in this world to live up to your expectations and you are not in this world to live up to mine. You are you and I am I. And if by chance we find each other, it's beautiful. That yet yeah, this is. Oh, I love. Okay. I, yeah, I definitely have not heard that. Yeah, I love this that. Is that. I do my thing and you do your thing. Uh, it's called a gestalt prayer. I thought it had, it was a different source, but that, that is what I have used my entire life. That quote. I love that. And I feel that all of the different um, crossroads and decisions that you shared with us, I can see how you really took that to heart and it led you down the path that you were meant to be on. For sure. That is fantastic. Well, I know that we are all going to want to follow you and reach out. And obviously 
hear your podcast when it comes out. So where can we um, catch up with you online? The best place to go is Jackie Bird Spiritual Wellness. And I spell Jackie a little different, J-A-C-Q-U-I-E-B-I-R-D, spiritualwellness.com. On my site, you'll find everything. You'll find my eBooks. Um, my podcast will be there. Um, um, you can find me on Instagram, same thing, Jackie Bird Spiritual Wellness, Twitter, um, Facebook, my page is Jackie Bird Spiritual Wellness, Pinterest, Jackie Bird Spiritual Wellness, <laughs> LinkedIn. Oh no, LinkedIn is Jackie Bird. But um, the, the main thing is go to my website, uh, get on my mailing list and you'll be up to date on whatever I'm up to. That is fantastic. Well, Jackie, I cannot tell you enough how much I have enjoyed this and how grateful I am for your time today. Oh, Candace, thank you. I really appreciate you having me. This was so enjoyable for me. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. Remember to rate or review us on iTunes, Facebook, or your favorite podcast app. You've been listening to Meraki Mentors Podcast with Candace Howes. We're honored you chose to spend your time with us today. To learn more about today's guest or the podcast, visit MerakiMentorsPodcast.com. Don't forget to create and connect.